0: I am Ari Anderson and this is Millennials don't Suck. Hello. Welcome to another episode. Oh man guys, it has been uh, it's been a couple of weeks for me. Um, found out last uh, last week that one of my two best friends from college uh, was at dinner with his girlfriend. His, his anniversary dinner and a one-year anniversary and uh very unexpectedly passed away and so I actually was in New York for the memorial um over the weekend and you know it's been it's been pretty hard to be honest uh you guys know sort of what's happened in the last couple of years we've had a couple of other very close friends uh pass away and my uh, my childhood house burned down a couple months ago, so it's 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 been there's been some tests, I guess is the is the right way to look at it. There's been some tests, and um, you know, it's feeling feeling sort of like uh like things can go so wrong, but so right simultaneously. Like my life is so good. I think a lot of people struggle with this, where it's like feeling guilty for having a good life you know um all you know my the the people that I love the most and that are closest to me are happy and healthy and and that is the best um but it's a it's a trip man when 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 and you think people are gonna be around and then this this type of thing happens so hug hug your people hug your people close tell them you love them go see them spend time with them. you never know what's gonna happen. Um, sorry to start the podcast off in such a fucking <laughs> depressing way, but I, I feel like um, I feel like this is a good outlet. you know I've I've uh, it's easy to shut down I think when a lot of this stuff happens. it's easy to not talk about it and just kind of put your head down but ultimately is not a healthy thing to do. So here I am. here we are still putting out shit for you to listen to. Um as as always now this this podcast is presented by Curious Audio, which is my podcast network. We're very excited about have a ton coming down the pipe in the next couple months. But uh, this week on the pod on on other pods, we got Life Rights um actually launching a podcast today as well, interviewing Bill Martinson um about how he Stole hundreds of cars in Detroit to learn how to race cars and uh, built a race car in his army bunker uh, secretly and how he was in charge of nuclear codes for like 12 nuclear weapons in Germany in in the 60s and as a 20-year-old because his captain wanted to sleep with his wife. Um, It's just a fascinating story, so I highly recommend you guys go listen to that. It's Life Rights. It's on iTunes, Spotify, all the things that you listen to. Um, but today's episode, I'm actually very, very excited about. It was one of the, I, I, it was a conversation that I did virtually, but it was actually, I, I left feeling more inspired and sort of hopeful for for humans um, than I had in a while. Uh, Shana Connor, good friend of of one of my closest friends, David Carrico. Um, Shana is the CEO of of a, a, an organization called Global Sisterhood, which she'll tell you more about but is doing amazing things and building communities all over the planet really um and it's just more than that she's she's really humble and willing seemingly to to kind of continually self-assess and self-correct and and be open and and honest and it was just such a refreshing conversation i i really really appreciated it um and so I'm excited to share that with you guys today. I'm excited for, for you to hear hear somebody who's who's trying because I think that's what we're all trying to do. You know, we're all we we are imperfect. We are we are works w- works in progress. Yeah, works in progress. Um, but we're some of us are trying, and really that's all you can ever do. And I think I think we just got to cut each other some slack sometimes. Um, but I'm rambling. I apologize. Uh, here is Shane Connor, COO of Global Sisterhood. She's a huge badass. Very happy to have her on the show. I hope you guys enjoy. Okay. Uh, i'm sitting here virtually with Shana connors the COO of global sisterhood welcome to the podcast
1: hi ari it's great to be here
0: thank you so much for uh for joining so when we just jumped on you said you'd just gotten off uh gotten off a big call with with uh global sisterhood members i think from all over the world so just what is that? Tell us, tell us what, what that was. And I guess that can lead us right into what Global Sisterhood is.
1: Yeah, so we have a product as part of Global Sisterhood that's called Her Rising. And it was a membership program intended for women in different parts of the world to engage with one another around our themes of the month. And so this month's theme is about setting clear boundaries and declaring your worth. And so today we hopped on the phone with women who are part of this membership program around the world, and we all kind of discussed where we're letting our boundaries be hazy, and we're not, you know, in our full force of saying yes and no with full integrity and what that means, and it was super interesting, like, how similar it was, despite you know, our backgrounds and despite the parts of the world that we're in and the frameworks we've grown up in, right. that there's like, there's themes that kind of cross all of those, you know, sociopolitical like, physical boundaries. So, so yeah, I'm kind of bursting with energy from that.
0: That sounds incredible. I, I uh, So how many people, you know, we're talking about people all over the world. Is it hundreds? Is it dozens? Is it thousands? Like how, how many people are on these calls?
1: Yeah. It, it really depends. This call was a lot smaller. So there was like 20 people on the call today and there could be upwards of like 80. And it, it just depends. It just depends on the time of day and especially because you're around the world, a lot. we record all of our calls and so then they're accessed nice. otherwise. But the majority of what we do, we give as a gift to our community. And so this is one of the only programs that we charge for. And really the intention is, is that it's just for women who want to go deeper with us. Got it. Everyone who is part of our movement, which is 100,000 plus women, um, gets the same themes and ends up having conversations around the new moon, talking about the same stuff as we're talking about in Horizon. This is really just an opportunity to um, interface with the Global Sisterhood team and to go deeper in their own experience. So, so yeah. It's, it's, it's,
0: it sounds incredible. I, I think uh, I would love to know more you know, about global sisterhood. What, 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 are you, what is it? What are you guys yeah. doing? Um, yeah. All of these things.
1: Yeah. So it's probably helpful to talk about like where global sisterhood has been and where we are now. Sure. Really global sisterhood was created by Lauren Walsh, who's the CEO and the intention behind global sisterhood was to create unity amongst women to get rid of this past narrative of needing to compete and to really honor ourselves as women in our feminine power and to come together and to hold each other in that sisterhood. And so three years ago on the International Day of Peace, Lauren was leading a circle and she was seen for what she was doing and asked to do something on International Women's Day and send out a call to women around the world to gather in circle on that day. And what ended up happening was that there were like 700 circles that met on that first International Women's Day. Jesus. And um, there's there's a effect that we talk about a lot called the Maharishi effect. Mm. And it's basically when a critical mass of people begin to act, create, or have an intention behind something. um. in in a critical mass, then that can create like stirs in the consciousness. And so that's kind of what ended up happening. And so when all of these women united on that day, global sisterhood ended up being born and it wasn't really intended to be a monthly thing, but women were like, Hey, we want more of this. This is awesome. Like, how can we come together each month and do this? And so Lauren was then tasked with creating, and there was a team with her as well that were tasked with creating more resources. And really it wasn't like, Oh, we're going to build a business or we're going to have this thing, or we're going to keep doing this forever. It was really just like a month by month. Hey, like, let's just kind of see where this goes. And so where we are now is that um, back in September, global sisterhood became a corporation and we're a a public benefit corporation. So the intention is to be a business, but also to do good. And it's funny because like, Every day I get people being like, Well, why aren't you a 501c3? And like even my dad, who like totally triggered me about it. And (laughs) what I believe is that it's even interesting to me that people see that we're we're making positive change and they're trying to force us, pigeonhole us into this like 501c3. Like, why can't you be a business and have like positive externalities on the world? Like that doesn't make any sense as to like receiving cash for something that's inherently good
0: exactly i think I, I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that if you are you are contributing positively and you're trying to you know support yourselves and build build a cool lives for the people who are involved in the creation of that space so you 100 percent should be compensated uh justly for that and and um yeah i think that's a that is that's a, a very poor argument if people are trying to pigeonhole you in that regard
1: yeah, it has been interesting because, I mean, I've been going down a rabbit hole with this whole idea because it triggers me in a lot of ways. And I think it's because when you really start to think about it, women's work historically has not been paid with dollars.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: right. And it's like the so, stay-at-home
0: mom doesn't get paid for her. It's, she doesn't get recognized you know, in a monetary way for the insane work that she does
1: totally and if you think about if you think about what our value system is especially in the United States it's money absolutely and so when someone's not getting paid with dollars when they're creating value you know what are we valuing
0: Mm. it's very well put it's 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 a very reasonable question to ask I think
1: and so I think that's the question I'm going to continue to ask. And it's one of those things that is causing me to want to learn more about different economic models and how different things can look. Because really what's happening is we do have women around the world who are creating circles on our behalf. Right. And they're doing it as a gift to their communities. And so how do you value those women in the same way that other things in the world are valued with money? right and then in turn how do you get people to value basically what we've been giving away as a gift for so long with that same kind of value system
0: it's it's a really interesting question you know th- those are really interesting philosophical questions to have mm-hmm. to ask
1: yeah yeah so anyways <laughs> <laughs> now i spend so much of my time thinking about it and you know what it's a worthwhile thing to think about
0: absolutely cuz cuz because whatever conclusion you come to, if you can prove that it works, that can have ripple effects across like multiple industries and multiple different, you know, kind of worlds.
1: Totally. So I think the, the, bigger, the bigger thought leadership that we'll be taking on in the near future is around creating a business that has a lot of value. For the women that we're touching, but then also making it sustainable in the sense that global sisterhood, you know, doesn't have to be a venture business, even though we might be. But like when you're looking for funding and stuff, it it's interesting, like, and we could talk about this in a bit, but I came from the venture world. And so for mm-hmm. me, coming to a startup, I was like, Well, we have to raise venture money because what else do people do when they start a company? Right. And almost backtracking and being like, oh, yeah, you can get a bank loan, you know, or you can have your community support you. Or you can just be a small business that grows over time. With yeah, your you just customer. bootstrap it. Yep. <laughs> and those things were almost like, this, like the second or third or fourth or like umph thing I thought about. Which, you know, I guess just being in San Francisco and LA and seeing my friends and other people build venture businesses, that was kind of like, oh, you have to move as quickly as possible and break things. Like, uh, what about being thoughtful and building something that can, and not to say that you can't build a venture business that's thoughtful, but, totally. but I think there's, I don't even want to say but and there's a way to be thoughtful about the long-term direction of what you are trying to do and the implications it has well i mean
0: I, I think a perfect example of this is is you know look at what's happened with tech companies in san francisco you know the 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 move fast and break things model yeah. you know may have destroyed our democracy irreparably <laughs> you know yeah. so like yeah. like like yeah. when you when you're thinking about uh you know especially building communities where you know women are going to be vulnerable within those communities and creating an infrastructure to allow that to unfold in a healthy and and a, uh, a way that you know c- can allow it to grow absolutely probably takes some some you know moving a little slower than you would otherwise with like a an, a tech
1: product or something yeah and so that's where the balance comes in for for myself and Lauren and the team, and how we think about building, is because on one hand you do have constraints with money, and you know the amount of reach you're able to get based on the systems that we have set up right, right now. Yep. It's like you know, advertising costs money, and um, word of mouth is free. <laughs> Actually, it turns out. Uh, so just kind of weighing the two things and figuring out you know what the business model is going. To be in the future without trying to like exploit the women who are a part of our community.
0: Right. Cause we- that's, that is, that's your, that's your almost, I don't wanna say your resource, but like that is the special sauce of what you're doing.
1: And that's, that's like, you know, the tech company model is, oh, cool. You have a lot of women sharing a lot of vulnerable things. Well, why don't you take all that data and sell it to, right. you know, a drug company
0: Unilever or something <laughs> exactly.
1: exactly and it's like that's been the model what's the new model and it's really interesting because I was at this private equity conference this past weekend which just shows you the random things I end up at um right. and Roger McNamee was there whose new book came out but he you know I don't know if you know who he is but he was one of the early investors in Facebook and really was an uh, advisor to Mark And came out a few years ago, taking a stand um, about basically what you, the point you had brought up earlier that like, you know, our democracy is potentially being undervalued by what's been built. And, you know, he offered that there, there is a new way to treat your customer, but finding out what that is and how to work with them and still build a business is hard. And so it's it's interesting because the quick and easy way to build a business these days is to be like, oh, I have all this valuable data. I'm going to sell it to advertisers. And I'm sure tons of advertisers would love to get inside of Global Sisterhood. You know, we have a network of 50,000 women on our Facebook page that I know other people are selling for a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a tight-knit group community. So it's just... it's it's questioning all of these what have now become social norms amongst businesses. Yep. That is, it's just interesting. And it's, I feel like it will become a bigger thing like in the next 10 years, but where we are now it's, it's different.
0: Well, it's, it's, you know, it kind of gets into this question of like part of the promise. You know, I I remember reading this book when I was in college called the net delusion uh, about Mm. sort of, you know, everybody, I, my background is foreign policy. So everybody kind of in the in the foreign policy world is like, you know, the, you know, the, like digital technology is the great equalizer. Like, you know, information will allow for freedom. And it's like, you know, when the Arab Spring was happening, we're like, oh my God, the Twitter, like the Iranian Twitter revolution, like all these things that supposedly were happening. But it kind of, you know, now it, it, it more and more so these tools are being used you know, by authoritarian or, or autocratic regimes to suppress dissent. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think it's kind of the same thing that we're talking about here is like, you know, one of the big, the big buzzword now is community. Right. And like yeah. global sisterhood is a perfect example of this community, uh, of, of this kind of, you know, community as a product almost. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I, and I think like, it's, it's so interesting because, the promise of these technologies was that it was going to unite us, you know, grow our community, make us feel more connected to each other, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's, it's clearly done and is doing the opposite. And so it'll be interesting to see like, like what you're talking about with like this conversation becoming more and more at the forefront, you know, as, as kind of, uh, these communities on the internet become more and more sort of influential, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, how people are 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 leveraging those communities and taking advantage of them, I think will become more and more of an ethical question, like you've said.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting because I feel like and I don't know because I haven't had personal conversations with them, but a lot of people who build things and then there's consequences to the thing that they built, which really wasn't their intention at all. Like I mm-hmm. feel for them because sometimes you're just like good at certain things and you don't think about the consequences I you know I feel free I feel for those people
0: absolutely of course like I should be
1: yeah like I'm sure Mark didn't intend when he was building on or not for that to happen
0: no he didn't
1: (laughs) yet I still think you need to end up taking responsibility for the thing absolutely and Roger, Roger brought up an interesting point. He was like, what I wanted to happen when, you know, it was 10 days before the election and it had been proven that, like, Facebook was being manipulated. What I wanted to happen was what Johnson & Johnson had did. I don't know if you ever saw that, like, their, their um, I think it was Advil or some other medication was tampered with. Mm-hmm. And immediately what they did is they pulled everything off the shelf. And this cost them like millions, if not a billion dollars to do. Right, right. But they were like, we're not going to even take the risk that one more person is going to die because someone has tampered with our product until we come out with a better solution. And I think they ended up doing that twice. Like I think a few years later that ended up happening again and they did the same thing. And what that causes a consumer to do is to be able to trust them. Like, what would have happened if Facebook shut down for ten days? It's true. I, I think everyone would have been fine.
0: It, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's so interesting though. You know, I guess it's it's a little bit of a different conversation now because I don't, you know, Facebook is not the, you know, the 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 gigantic traffic hog for, for, you know, a lot of the publishers that it was a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but like if it had shut down for 10 days, that would have like, I'm just, that would have been billions of dollars, you know, that not just mm-hmm. Facebook would lose, but all kinds of different companies. Hold so it's lot. just inter- interesting to think about, you know, in the context of, of like responsibility, you know, who, who, It's just a, these are really, really complex issues that these companies are facing because it's like, okay, yeah, that's, that would be awesome for them to do. And of course, you know, as somebody who is terrified about what's happening in the country right now, I think if it would have kept from Trump from being elected would have been worth it. But also like a lot of small businesses, especially then relied on Facebook advertising. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's. These are, you know, our society is facing incredibly complex issues. And I think it's part of the reason why, you know, things like what you're doing with Global Sisterhood are so important, because what we're what we're losing is the, that real sense of community, that real sense of being, being belonging.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting because I'm living alone for the first time. I just moved to Austin, Texas to be a part of Global Sisterhood. And I felt really lonely last night. Wow. And all I wanted was to connect with like-minded people. And so when I was on the call today, I reflected to like that moment of feeling lonely yesterday and was like, I don't feel lonely anymore because now I'm with all these other women that I can share a deep connection with, which is something like that brings me so much joy in my life. Like when I have a conversation like this or you know, I'm meeting with someone and I'm able to talk about things that are, not superficial and exactly. we're able to go deep. It's like this this like deep feeling of gratitude for being alive, honestly, and mm-hmm. for like sharing in that moment and understanding that that the realness of a human connection. And so what, you know, going back to like how tools are being used, like our intention behind global sisterhood and the tool that global sisterhood ends up being, and it mm-hmm. in is already, it already is for a lot of women, is to find people online who are interested in having this kind of deep discussion and meaningful connection and to go offline and to meet those people in person and to share an experience with them around a given theme on the same day of the month as everyone else in the whole world. And that is what continues to be powerful about what we do but really, at the end of the day, we're not doing anything complicated. Right. We're saying, let's sit in a circle. Because everyone always asks me, what's a circle? A circle is the shape <laughs> that the women sit in <laughs> when they gather together. And it's really a way to create meaningful connection with one another, despite if you've known the person for an hour or years. And so, it's just a remembering of how special it is to bring people together and to like drop your phone for an hour and to connect. And it's really simple.
0: It's so interesting to me because as you're describing this and I'm thinking, I'm like, Oh my God, how, how necessary is this for the survival of our species? You know, like this is, this is, like up until very recently in human history this is that is exactly what we did you know like like we would get in a circle around a fire and talk and be vulnerable with each other and tell stories and all you know like you said like that is the reason why we feel grateful to be alive and we're in those experiences is because like that that's what that's that's kind of like what we're supposed to be doing um and it's just, it's, it kind of made me think too of like, you know, this whole, what's happening with, with young men too. Like what's, what you know, I, I saw a stat that like young, young men are, are having like 30% less sex than they were 10 years ago. And you have like this whole incel thing and like the, all the, like the right wing stuff happening online, like through gaming channels and all mm-hmm. that. And it, it, it's scary. And it, it makes me think like, oh, my, like. There should be a global, there should be a global brotherhood, you know, like yeah. that, the, this is as, as amazing it is, as it is for women, there, there should, everybody needs that. Yeah. Everybody needs what you guys are doing.
1: Yes. And you're so right. It's, and, and, you know, I don't know if Global Sisterhood will ever, like, want to take on that because there's enough women in the world, but- right. And it's, it's not about like, and to go back, it's not about being a woman. We're helping women rise into this suppressed feminine essence that has been going on for so long. Like even within myself, and I've had a lot of reflection about this because I, my whole life I've pushed a lot to get straight A's and to be the president of different organizations and to do all of the right things. So I could go to the right school, which ended up being a business school that Mm -hmm. I was using a lot of my masculine energy, not to say that masculine is male and feminine is female. We all have both, but I had a lack of balance. And I was very much pushing in my masculine. I ended up working in finance and then working in venture capital, more finance. And it wasn't until I moved to Global Sisterhood that I really explored where I had been cutting off my feminine and what that meant. Wow. And I'm wow. still cutting off my feminine because it's really it's really new to me to explore this like creative, more receptive, you know, I I still have this feeling of like when I've already worked a ton in a given day to like want to continue working and not just to sit in silence and receive, you know, it's to push. And right.
0: Because so, to, to push is, you know, that is the masculine, the, the, yes. the, uh, the blade and the chalice, so to speak.
1: Yes. And so anyways, the point being that for, for global sisterhood, we are helping women step into that feminine essence and what that means, and also and also they're masculine, but to balance to balance the things because that's really what we need in our world right now is balance. You know, we've been so out of balance, and we're all out of balance. And I think there are, there are global brotherhoods. They're called other things. There might even be something called global brotherhood, but there are there are these new uh, men circles that have been arising you know, that I give a lot of, you know, support to. Because I think that, like you said, circles are important to the survival of our species. You could sit in a square. It doesn't really matter. But what's important is that we connect in an authentic way with each other. Right. And that could be through technology. It could be in person. But I think the authentic relating and getting to know one another as human beings just causes a lot more empathy and understanding.
0: Exactly. That's, it's not rocket science, but it's like, it's like, if you look at like, okay, we're going to have to make really difficult societal level decisions about like what we're doing to save ourselves in the next couple of decades. It's going to be much easier to make those decisions where maybe they're not in our direct self-interest all the times. If we have, better access to empathy for other human beings. And like, how do we do that by building community and, 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 you know, seeing that there is more to, to just our own, you know, little narrow window of existence. Totally. So w- w- I know you come from the venture world, but like, give me a little bit more about your, your backstory. I, I know that you, you went to USC, right?
1: I went to USC as a Trojan.
0: Trojan. Yeah. Okay. And, and, you were just like i'm gonna I'm gonna be in business work I'm gonna work in finance venture, all that, and you just got burned out or or yeah. what happened
1: I mean it was all kind of random. I always laugh and I think about what Steve Jobs said, like you can always connect the dots looking back because that's yeah. very true of my life, and I do have a lot of trust and intuition in my path, so it all kind of seems haphazard, but what really happened was. You know, I grew up in San Diego and I love Southern California very much. And I wanted to do something with environment. And so I actually applied to go to school so I could study environmental science. I was really interested in city planning. And I ended up going to USC so I could do business and environmental science. And I ended up just spending more time in the business school than I did with the environmental stuff. I just wasn't it. Once you got into the environmental stuff, it just wasn't that sexy And then Mm -hmm. someone said something really interesting to me. This was more recently, but I guess this is kind of the reason that I stopped getting into the environmental stuff as much as I did. It was what needs to happen for the environmental stuff to change is that we need to change the mental frameworks that exist in. And I was like, boom, I'm going to steal that from you. And I forget the person's name. So whoever said it, I give you credit. Um, But yeah, and so USC was a great time for growth. God, I got rejected from a sorority for the first time. And that was like the the biggest lesson of my whole life because I had never really been rejected before. I had always kind of got a, gotten what I wanted. And since then I've been rejected a lot more times, but that was definitely the most like trying experience for me. And I, when I graduated from school, I decided to move to New York, which was pretty haphazard and it was because i had been in southern california for so long and moving to san francisco sounded logical but i probably could do that at any time cuz it's still in california and so i decided to move to new york cuz that's where some of my friends were moving and i was looking for a job wanting wanting to work for a startup i was like very intrigued by startups and like i thought they were so sexy and wanting to do a bunch of different jobs and running around and That was, like, very appealing to me. And so I was looking at companies that were startups at the time, which is now funny, like Warby Parker and Uber and um, different, like, food businesses. And when I was getting down to, like, how much they could pay me, it was, like, $40,000, which I I frankly don't understand unless you're getting supported how you live in New York City for $40,000. And um,
0: it doesn't seem like it's (laughs) feasible.
1: and. Bloomberg was like, "Well, pay you $60,000." And I was like, "Great, sign me up." Um and I didn't really intend to stay there for very long. And what ended up happening is that basically a year into working at Bloomberg, I got sick with Lyme disease. Whoa. Which was a very important experience for me to have in my life. I was sick for probably a little over a year and people are like, well, you, do you still have it? Like I hear that people have it like forever. And I'm really lucky that I don't have it anymore. Oh my gosh. Um, good for you. I went through like this crazy spiritual experience with my ex-boyfriend who also had Lyme disease at the same time as me. All
0: right, did you guys like go on a hike and get just bit by the same tick or something?
1: Well, like everyone else who lives in New York city, we were spending summers um, in the Hamptons. And basically, if you're spending any time anywhere on the East Coast, you have a high risk of coming into contact with Lyme ticks. Another reason to stay West. Another reason to stay in California. Even though they are coming out West, um, not to fear monger or anything, but (laughs) do check your ankles. Yeah. So anyways, it was was really random. We didn't know what we were sick with for so long. And that really caused me to question everything in my life and- where I was spending my energy, the energy it even had left, which was basically nothing. It caused me to question existence. And like, if I believed in like past lives and all this stuff, I had never really spent much time thinking about, but because when you're sick like that and you can't do anything, you start to think about things you've never thought about before. And Mm -hmm. so that for me was, and I was, God, I was like, between 23 and 25 this is when I dealt with this so I was pretty young and all my friends are like out drinking and doing stuff and I'm not allowed to like drink or even like eat berries because there's like too much sugar like I wasn't allowed to do anything and so that caused me to move to California because I just wanted to be closer to home and I worked at Bloomberg for uh, another year and then I was thinking about what I wanted to do next which I thought would be agriculture because I was like so into food and that was very much part of my healing experience and um, I wanted to work in hydroponic agriculture growth. So, you know, hydroponic farms being close to cities. I still think it's like so cool. And the company I was going to work for got a hundred million dollars in funding shortly after from SoftBank. Um, so That's that sweet, sweet SoftBank money. <laughs> they also think it's a good idea, too. And uh, I ended up working in venture capital instead. And the reason being. I knew that my path would I'd end up at a startup or starting my own thing. And so I wanted to see companies from a third eye, like a bird's eye perspective. Totally. Kind of get what was going on in that space. And my boss, Roy, was super instrumental in helping me grow during that time and helping me get to the point where I am now, where I was like ready to do the thing. And it was funny because I was really interested in cryptocurrency and blockchain stuff. And that's all I thought about. The whole time I was working in venture and I thought that's what I was going to do next and I also just had been talking about women a lot and somehow global sisterhood came into my life and so it was very much at, you know following your intuition and seeing what felt right but global sisterhood was what I was supposed to be doing and so here I am <laughs> it's
0: you know it's so funny people ask me like what is you know if, if you could find a commonality between the people that you interview because I've done like a hundred of these now yeah what what is the because and it's across all spectrums all different worlds industries whatever the commonality between all of these people is that you know you trust your gut you listen to your intuition Mm -hmm. and I think that almost more than any other indicator to me is an indicator of ultimately success not you know not making a lot of money or whatever but a successful life, mm-hmm. um, because you're if you're willing to trust that intuition, ultimately that you know y- your your subconscious is already telling you what you want to do. <laughs> That's yeah. essentially what your intuition is, right? Um, so good for you, and and it sounds like you're just doing amazing amazing work. And I I, I can't wait to see kind of how how this how this group and uh, network evolves in the coming years
1: yeah thank you i it does feel to me that we're we're doing amazing work and what i want to be able to do is to help more people you know we just launched a teen circle program which is amazing. for 11 to 14 year old girls we're doing a couple summer camps this summer and we're going to launch a 15 to 16 year old group which we've never done before we're looking to launch circles in the prison system and we're helping women with domestic violence. And so there's so many different parts of our society that need this kind of human connection, we all do. And so thinking about different ways, because really our model is decentralized, right? Like we produce content that help women become facilitators so they can lead circles wherever they are. And so our goal is to be able to train women on leading teen circles and leading circles in prisons and doing this kind of work. And I would love to figure out how to pay these people or to have right. them have some kind of financial incentive because, you know, people who are helping in the world should be getting paid. It just makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, I
0: you know, I, my, after I came back to LA after college, um, one of the things that I, I, as like a sort of a side project I was working on with some friends that I grew up with was, Running like mentorship groups for for mm. seventh and eighth grade boys.
1: Mm, um, cool.
0: I, I did that for about a couple of years. Kind of, s- basically, it's it's essentially what you're talking about. It's just creating a vulnerable circle for for people to for for young people, especially. I think it's so important to to be seen and heard and be able to be honest with their peers and with you know, slight, like o- slightly older people who maybe can help help shine some light on s- what they're going through. I think it's just hugely hugely important you know as, as we kind of um siphon off more of the responsibility of like teaching our young people what it means to be human to technology um you know it feels like we're just moving further aw- and further away from from what we should be doing so it's it's people and organizations like you that that are are providing that counterbalance
1: yeah we're trying we're trying and so I think in <laughs> life that's really all you can do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All, all you can do is try your best. Nothing else. Yeah. Nothing else. Yes. Um, so, Shana, before you go, I, I like to ask uh, one question as as you're on the way out. Uh, what is your biggest fuck up, and what did you learn from it?
1: I think what's going on for me right now is my biggest. Fuck up is that I was holding people to a standard that I would want for myself. And that's just wrong because you shouldn't have assumptions of people. You know, people are going to show up in the way they show up, and you should love and support them in the way that they show up. And everyone is on their path, whatever that path may look like. And so what's been coming up for me is, you know, making a friend or someone who's close to me wrong for not doing something I assumed or expected them to do. And so this is more just like, you know, it's not a particular thing, but it's a big realization I've had recently. And so for me to just continue to to love and support these people and however they show up.
0: That really, um, almost more than any other answer up to this point, I've asked that question like 50 times now. Hits home for me because I I suffer very much from the same thing. You know, I have incredibly high standards for myself, and and I've gotten into trouble in various you know romantic and unromantic relationships. You know, have holding those same expectations for other people. So thank you so much for 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 uh, being vulnerable in that way, and hopefully. You know, somebody can hear that because I certainly did.
1: Wow. Thank you. It's, you know, it's, it's the most present thing to me right now. And so they always say whatever is the most personal is also the most universal.
0: (laughs) You're cool. (laughs) (laughs) uh you're really cool well next time you're in la you're
1: really cool too let's hang out
0: yeah for real any any friend of david is is a is a friend of mine as i say um hi david hi david he's hopefully he's listening to this uh all right well uh plug global sisterhood where can we find all the all the stuff
1: yeah so we are global sisterhood on basically every Every channel, but our website is www.globalsisterhood.org. Our newest product is called Her Circle, and it is the resource for women who want to be facilitators or want to facilitate themselves through a process each month to be able to go deep in that way. And we charge $8, and really the intention is for it to be as little cost as possible, but to also support us in building a sustainable business. So.
0: That's like 1.5 almond cappuccinos. So somebody should definitely be able to.
1: Seriously, it's half an avocado. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Well, Shana, thank you so much. This has been a a real pleasure. Um, And and, uh, we can't wait to see what comes next.
1: Same. Thank you, Ari.
0: All right.